What's up, guys? Liam Herbst here. In this episode, I'm chatting with the best coach that I ever played for in Jeff Schmoge. Jeff played four years as a player NCAA hockey with UMass Lowell, and he is currently the coach of the North York Rangers Junior A team in the OJHL. I got to play for Jeff from my minor bantam to minor midget year with the Mississauga Rebels, where we won two GTHL championships, an OHF championship, as well as the OHL Cup. The thing that I love the most about Jeff was his ability to just instill a positive attitude within our group, a truly team-first mentality with everybody just having an amazing work ethic and pushing and elevating each other. And while combining that as well with just enjoying the game and having fun. I think Jeff had an amazing balance and so does have an amazing balance of improving and striving towards achieving your bigger picture goals while enjoying the whole process, which is definitely necessary. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Thanks for listening. So Jeff, Jeff, thank you. Oh, thanks for having me, Liam. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you for thank you for coming on. I know um I wanted to get a perspective from obviously such a decorated minor hockey coach and junior hockey coach that you have been as well as just an NCAA former NCAA hockey player who has really been exposed to both sides. I know with a lot of kids and parents who are listening to this episode who are moving their way up the ranks and debating now between different junior teams and, and NCAA and OHL. And, and I think that you can provide an, an amazing perspective to everybody that is listening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I've been doing it for a little bit now, you know, probably the last uh, 10 to 12 years coaching um, through minor hockey for the junior ranks. So, you know, I've seen quite a, bo- quite a bit of, you know, unique stuff and, and helped a lot of, uh, players and, and parents uh, guide through their, you know, their route to whatever they decide to do, and and uh, had been very fortunate enough to coach a lot of good teams and a lot of good players. So um, hopefully this can help a lot of people and get to a lot of people, and uh, you know maybe the smallest thing can help a, a parent or a player out as they navigate through it. Yeah, fantastic. I'm hoping I'm hoping for the same thing. I'd love to hear this. I mean, for everybody listening, a little bit about your background, where you started off playing, and then your journey through the ranks of hockey and then transitioning into obviously coaching and and training now yeah so uh i started uh grew up in kitchener minor hockey played uh all the way up through kitchener a little bit different than the ghl right you have uh your home center and you have one place to play and that's uh that home center ghl was a eye-opening experience for me of you know players jumping from team to team and you know um a lot of movement and stuff like that very different in, in the minor hockey ranks i came through uh, played my junior career in a couple different places. Uh, played my career in Coburg, was drafted the OHL out of there, um, then played uh, in Milton, Kitchener, uh, and finishing off in Milton before getting my uh, NCAA scholarship, um, uh, going to UMass Lowell um, Division One, which was another great experience. Uh, from there, dabbled a little bit in pro, not very much, a little cup of tea, and then uh, started getting into um, – training as far as on and off the ice with just working at uh, varsity uh was kind of reluctant at the beginning to get into coaching um a lot of people kind of told me a lot of horror stories of coaching don't get into it you know there's a lot of politics a lot of craziness um and then uh was approached uh to come on as an assistant with the 92 mississauga senators and did two years there and then uh came to the 96 rebels for one year as an assistant and uh 
kind of the rest is history. You know, I did uh, four years of the 96s and then another four years of the 2000s uh, um, and then had some junior stints in Georgetown as, a, as an assistant, Oakville as an assistant, and then uh, back to Georgetown as an assistant. And then uh, these past two years took over the North York Rangers junior A team. Yeah, fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I know the, again, as a coach, especially with those 96 and 2000 Rebel teams, the 96 team that I played on, as well as a ton of other guys who have moved on to be extremely successful, have extremely successful careers, both on and off the ice, quite frankly. But the one thing I want to touch on, we'll touch on that a little bit later. I'd love to chat about just your experience playing NCAA hockey and making that decision between OHL versus NCAA and, and some of the, your um, best memories as well as what you really enjoyed about that whole process. Yeah. So for, for me growing up, um, you know, I'm a little bit older and in, in, in my era um, in the OHL, that wasn't really an option for me. I was a very late uh, round pick. And um, back then the, the ongoing joke was that the OHL was the Ontario height league. Um, so I mean, very big guy. That wasn't really an option for me. Um, I wasn't really able to play um, at that level. Um, so for me, it was, you know, go back to junior and, and, you know, and work and continue to grow and get better as a hockey player and, you know, explore that option at NCAA. Um, so I kind of knew, you know, from a younger age, you know, I'd probably say around Bantam minor midget that OHL probably wasn't going to be the route that I was going to take. Um, so Obviously, school uh, was a focus for me. I made sure I was, you know, taking care of that aspect, and then, you know, just continue to work hard to to get that scholarship. You know, it's not, it's not an easy thing as people think it might be. You know, you'll have a lot of, you know, kids and parents will say, well, you know, just worst case scenario, I want my son to get a, a you know, a Division One scholarship. Well, you know, they're not they're not that easy, especially in today's game with how good the Americans are now. Um, you know, and, and they're those schools seem to be going in their backyard a lot more to get players. Um, but, you know, for me, it was hard work. I ended up getting it. Um, and then, you know, as far as the four years goes, it, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, you don't realize it till you're done it, how, how much of an experience it is, you know, the, the, the atmosphere you're, you're playing in front of, you know, every single night sold out crowds you're playing, uh, at some amazing arenas, you know, my first two games were at uh, University of Michigan, you know, where it's it's sold out five, six thousand people. You got the band playing and you're looking up and you're like, holy, what did I get myself into here? Yeah. So it, it's an amazing experience as far as hockey goes. Uh, Lifestyle is amazing. Um, you're 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 living with your teammates. Uh, probably the first time most kids are living on their own. So, it, you know, it does require you to grow up pretty quick. Um you know, and just the the difference, I think, between the OHL and the NCAA in that aspect is, you know, when you're in the OHL, you have all your fans there, you know, your billets, that type of stuff. But with college hockey, you're all the fans that are there are your classmates and they're your age or a couple of years older. So it's, it's kind of fun to play in front of your, um, you know, classmates and people that you you go to school with every day, as I'm sure a lot of kids can relate to that when they play for their school team in, in high school. It's, it's a lot of fun just you know, having the student section and having your band, the band playing for you and everything like that. It's, it's an unbelievable atmosphere as anyone that's been to some of the games would know. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the biggest things I find is the difference between OHL and NCAA, at least from a hockey standpoint is the atmosphere. Now, like I got to play a few games in, in London, obviously, and, and in Ottawa and, 
and even school day games when there was like 17,000 people and you there's a there is an atmosphere but NCAA seems to be a different dynamic in that sense I know especially when we went with the 96 Rebels and we went I think it was our minor Bantam or Bantam year when we got to go to Ann Arbor Michigan and watch the game it's like you can experience that and it was it's a completely different atmosphere it's it's unbelievable really as you said just that student involvement and student pride in, in NCAA hockey is really unmatched and like while I still like even looking back on my career like playing in in Niagara in the playoffs and that was an amazing crowd but as you said like that's mostly like 40 year old men who, <laughs> who are cheering for their local team instead of the person who's sitting next to you in your, in your biz class right so I think that's an interesting interesting dynamic with NCAA for sure now yeah. what sorry sorry continue no no I was just saying yeah that's you're absolutely right on that so what um what are your thoughts and I get like this is a question that I always get asked whenever I'm around the rink or some of my younger brother Tyler's parents or Tyler the parents and the kids will ask me with deciding making that decision between OHL and, and NCAA I know it's unique for everybody but do you have any underlying principles that you usually follow or typical guidance that you would give to players or parents who are in that, who are making that decision? It, it, like you said, it's such a unique question. That is uh, a question that probably gets asked all the time by younger players coming through the minor hockey ranks. Which way do I choose? What's best for my son? Um, and I, and honestly, I don't think there's a right answer. There's no right answer. This is the way you should go. Some people will tell you one thing. Some people tell you the other thing. I, I think it's, it's got to be what you feel is best for your your family, your particular um, son. Um, one thing that I will say, though, that in, in my opinion, again, it's my opinion that I think is the most important thing, is either way that you go, get your education taken care of. Yeah. Um, you're not, unfortunately, going to be able to play hockey for your entire life. Um, you need something to fall back on. And, you know, you need to have a, you know, if you want to call it a backup plan or you need to have a, something else that you're passionate about and want to do. And I remember having a conversation with, you know, one of your ex-teammates, um, mom, Santorami, and, 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 and talking to Santino. And she was, you know, they were in that situation where, you know, they were thinking about NCAA, they're thinking about OHL, and, and Santino really wanted to go OHL. And, and she said, do you mind talking to him? And I remember having the conversation with him, and I said to him, I said, listen, there's nothing wrong with going OHL. I said, but you've got to promise me that and promise yourself that you're going to use that package when it's all said and done. When, when you're done, that package is sitting there, you know, which is a great school package. You've got to make a commitment to say, you know what, uh, I'm going to, you know, use that package when I'm done. And, you know, he did. And now he's at school and, and I think it's great. And, and guys got to realize that, you know, pro hockey is going to be there afterwards. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, playing in the CIS. CIS is a great league, great competition. And, you know, if you're done, you get your education out of your four or five years and then you go and, uh, and you play, um, you know, afterwards that, that opportunity will be there uh, for you. Right. And same with NCAA, you look at, you know, we're just using guys off of your 96 team. Jake Evans just finished at Notre Dame is four years graduating. Now he just, you know, signed with the Montreal Canadiens. Right. So for me, I think education has got to be an emphasis, whether you're going down that, you know, OHL or NCAA route. I know everyone's end goal is to be drafted to the NHL and play in the NHL, but you know, what's, you know, if you have a great career, you're done at 35, um, you know, then what, Yeah. what's next? Yeah. You know, so I think look big picture. No, I'm on that exact same. I believe entirely in that too. I, I think that something 
not enough parents realize and it's almost ironic because they're the ones who usually end up paying for it but if your son or daughter can get their education paid for by playing hockey that is like the biggest win of wins like if you end up going to play in the nhl or going to play in the olympics represent your country whatever it is like and make a career out of it that is just a huge bonus on top of an already massive win because i see so many parents making this decision for their 15 year old son about what's going to give him the best chance to play in the nhl instead of what is the best thing for his future and it's it's such a small number that actually do end up potentially making it even out of that already extremely small number who have the opportunity to get their education paid for that it's you you should take the thing that's right in front of you and make the best decision and then hope for the best afterwards like exactly like Jake did as you said like he's what I mean who wouldn't love to be him right he just graduated he almost won a national championship he got his four-year degree and he just signed an amazing contract with the NHL team like that's a picture perfect story in a sense as well as it is for a guy like Robbie who went to the OHL and and you know got a nice big paycheck when he's a young guy and and can potentially make a a really good career out of it absolutely I mean if you look at that you know, 96 group. And this is the thing I think, you know, we won a lot of championships. All of you guys went on, but this is the thing as a coach that I look back and say, can say, you know, I'm the most proud of. If you go through that team, I would say almost every single player um, is using their education package right now or going to school or just finished school. Right. With the exception of Robbie's, uh, you know, was an exceptional player and things worked out for him that, you know, he was a first round NHL pick signed his NHL, you know, and, and, and made it there. Right. Obviously, He's going to have an uphill battle with the injuries that he's gone through. But I think I, I, I can't think of one player, you know, that's not going to school or didn't go to school, which in, in my eyes is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like every one of those players uh, has taken their education package from the OHL um, and is going to school right now or went, you know, if you look at their city and, and, and Bennett Morrison, they went Division Three, which is still great hockey and, and to a really good educational school. Um, and they're doing that. Props just graduated. Um, you know, Matty Alvaro is still at school, you know, Jake just graduated. So, and then the rest of the OHL guys, you know, yourself, Cardi, Hargrave, Bourne, uh, DeRocher, every, everybody's, you know, at school, even, yeah. you know, even, even a guy like David Miller, yeah. you know, we can kind of laugh a little bit, but Miller's at school using his package, which is, you know, phenomenal. Like yeah. that's, that's what you want to see. So, you know, that, that makes me the most proudest, you know, thing out of all the accomplishments that we had with that 96 group that, every single one of you guys understood the importance of education and you're, and you're taking advantage of it now. Yeah. One thing, one thing to just clarify is when we said Robbie and the first round pick, that's Robbie Fabry, who is a first round pick to the, to the St. Louis blues a few, a few years back. And, and as you mentioned, the injuries that he's had with his uh, knee injuries, I know it's been tough. Obviously I'm sure it's been really tough on him as it was for me going through major knee surgeries. So, but again, like he, he was a high pick. And he's a good player. Like we all know, I, I'm yeah. sure that's one thing I want to touch on in a bit, just with um, the different players. But going with the '96 Rebel theme, like looking back on those three years that I played from minor bantam to minor midget, it just seemed like there was such. It not even seemed like there was such an amazing atmosphere in the dressing room and amazing relationships with the coaches to the players. Like how did how did you and, and the rest of the coaching staff instill instill that that um, chemistry in a sense and atmosphere with within the group? Um, 
you know, there's a couple of things. We, we were very, very fortunate with your guys' group. That That's uh, something that I've learned coaching for, like I said, I think about 10 years now is that when you have something like that, it's sometimes, you know, it, it comes along once every 10 years, basically. Uh, you know, it's, it's rare that you get a team that meshes as well as you guys did generally really likes each other is you know you guys I know you, a lot of you guys still keep in touch and are still very close with each other um which is very rare that that doesn't happen a lot of the times you know there's being at less less in minor hockey where people are you know just kind of out for themselves um, so we had we had a very very special group we knew that right away we could tell right away you know how we had something special there um for us as a coaching staff you know it was it was a lot about uh, making you guys accountable and making it about you guys. It wasn't about, you know, us or, or, you know, sometimes coaches egos get in the way. It was more about making you guys push each other on a daily basis, making you guys accountable, making you guys uh, want to be better. And, you know, just trying to instill those core values that were important to us as a coaching staff, um, you know, like work ethic, um, accountability, you know, dealing with, adversity you know knowing that it was okay to fail um it was how we responded when we when we failed you know those were the the important things and i think we just had a special group that it was i don't want to say it was easy nothing's easy but it was a lot easier um dealing with you guys with you know the adverse adverse situations we went through um you know and it was just it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun you know to see you guys grow daily every day get better push each other to get better and, you know, we were, we were growing as, as coaches as well, too. We were learning as coaches, and we were learning from you guys um, a lot of things, which is, you know, amazing if you have a team that can, you know, we can learn from you guys, and you guys are learning from us as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I got that sense as well that you guys truly were selfless coaches and took your egos aside. And, and I think that that is a huge point that needs to be emphasized for minor and Essentially, honestly, I think all coaches at, at every level is that it is about the players and not about the coach. The coaches who try to be the dictators are the ones who usually end up getting the least out of their players and potentially end up creating a negative a negative outlook from their players on the team and the game in some cases itself. I know from some of the coaches that I played with on my throughout my junior career who would put themselves first with emotional outbursts and, and beat down players and, and just seeing the negative effect that it did have on the individual player's performance as well as on the team. Like when you take away from a player, it ultimately takes away from, from the team as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's not, it's not easy. I mean, uh, by no means am I going to, you know, talk on here like I haven't done that and made mistakes, um, you know, but you got to realize, you know, and this is what I've realized going through the ranks, so going through the minor hockey ranks and even in the junior league, unless you're coaching in the NHL, every league you're in is a development league, um, and you can't lose sight of that, and you're there, you know, to develop those kids and, and get them to the, you know, place they want to go, right? Every player in minor hockey has aspirations to go on to the next level, level whether it's, you know, OHL, you know, NCAA, you know, and you can't lose sight of that, you know, every every coach, every player, we want, we all want to win, we're very competitive, but we have to remember at the end of the day, we are development league. And, you know, I, I'll be lying if I didn't say I lost sight at that at times uh, through my coaching career, but, you know, you got to take a step back once in a while and say, you know, this, you know, this more, it's gotta be about the kids. It can't be about me um, winning and, you know, uh, worrying about that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One thing I want to touch back on just from it, it ties in, but what was the, 
the most important lesson or piece of advice that you were given through your playing career and, and how did you apply that into into coaching now? Um, I mean, Craiger and I, you know, we, we, we talked a lot and we, and, you know, for the guys who don't know, Craiger, Matt Craig was my assistant coach and, you know, a Yale graduate, very intelligent guy. I was very fortunate to have him on my staff. And we talked a lot about, you know, what we wanted our philosophy to be and, you know, what we, we valued important. And, and it's funny as it's my son, we used to, we took a lot of the stuff that, that we learned from bad coaches. Um, and we said, let's, let's never do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, it's, it sounds funny, but it, honestly, like we would talk about it like, man, I hated when my coach did this. I hated when my coach didn't do this. And we, we took those things and we said, okay, let's make sure that we don't do that. Let's not be that coach. Right. One of the things that I hated a lot was that there, you know, in college, there wasn't a lot of communication um, from myself to the other coaches. Right. They didn't really, you know, I had, had a tough first year and there wasn't a lot of communication of what I needed to do. So, you know, as you knew, talk to you guys a lot. We had meeting one-on-one meetings with you guys a lot. We made sure that you guys always knew, knew where you stood. Um, the other thing is, you know, we wanted to take those values, like you say, that are important. One of the things that I went through as a player and Craiger can probably relate. He did the same thing. You know, I went through a lot of adversity and I think it's important that you go through those types of adverse situations and you know that it's okay to fail. Um, it's only going to make you stronger the the thing that we had was special again with with our 96 group is that we had we had buy-in from the parents you know which is very hard you know your parents understood that your parents understood that um it was okay for you know you to fail it was okay for you to get benched it was okay for you to sit um it was okay for you not to start again they understood that and they understood that that's only going to make you better as a player make you better as a person and you know that that's that goes a long way uh because there's you know Growing up in today's society, you know, nobody, every, a lot of parents protect their kid. They don't want them to feel any pain. They don't want them to go through any adversity. And there's, you know, better than anybody, there's no possible way you're going to that next level and you're not going through some stuff. It, it's, it's, it's inevitable. You're going to go through stuff and you've got to be mentally strong enough to be able to deal with those situations. So we wanted to make you guys accountable. We want to make you to deal with adversity Work ethic was obviously a big one for us that, you know, that was, again, with that group was no problem. I think that's important. I think every team that I've ever coached, um, you know, work ethic has been the number one thing. You know, we, you know, I always say we, we may be the most skilled team. We may not be the most skilled team, but we will never be outworked. That was, has been my motto every single year as a coach, you know, we, you know, yeah, we have a ton of talent here, but we will never, ever be outworked. So it was those things as a player um, that I kind of took and, you know, Craig and I kind of took and we, we rolled with it. And, you know, you, every year you change, you add new things, you, you, you continue to adapt, you can continue to learn as a coach, but you know, those, I think those core values will always stay with whatever team I coach. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You, you say that as well. Cause I know we had, we had this discussion a, a couple times through, through my career. Like I was fortunate and also unfortunate, ironically, in some ways that I really didn't have, much adversity at all throughout my career. I mean, winning five GTHL championships and two OHFs, like playing in the Marlies before coming to the Rebels that where we had dominant teams and, and the Rebels, I had a little bit more of that because we were always battling with, with the Marlies for, for that number one spot. But, and then it, 
all pretty much hit me right after my right after my draft and and I had I feel like about seven years of adversity hit me in about seven months so so it was it was interesting but looking back on it I am so grateful for all the surgeries and injuries I had and all that adversity I had because it honestly has shaped me into being so much stronger and comfortable with who I am as a person like I see as you said a lot of parents want to, as my parents did in certain situations, would want to protect me from different situations, from failure, when in reality, it can be the thing that is the best for them in, in the long term. Absolutely. I mean, and I know you say you, did, you didn't go through a lot of adversity with us, but, you know, there's one that does stick out, Liam, and I don't know if you remember, in, in the playoffs, um, our minor midget year, you know, you didn't have the greatest playoffs, and and. I pulled you the one game and I think that I started uh, Dawson the other game and you know, it was tough. I could see you're a competitor and it was tough on you. And I know that you hate it, but look at the OHL cup you ended up having, Um, you know, and it just goes to show, you know, the resilience that you had because you could have easily, you know, players suck out. It happens sometimes, you know, and, and you didn't and you responded well. Right. So I know, you know, you might think you didn't go through a lot. You still went through your ups and downs. You had your, you had your moments where things didn't go well for you. And, you know, we, you may not have played or, you know, you were able to bounce back. You know, the the situation that you went through later with your injury was pretty extreme, right? I mean, that's that's probably looking at the worst case scenario um, you can possibly go through. So, I th- and I think you've handled it great. And you're probably in the same boat as me. I went through a pretty tough freshman year at school and I wouldn't change it. I would not change it because it's molded me into the person I am today. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting just... I, I agree entirely. Like I, I see with guys too that when they do go through difficult upbringings and as a hockey player, in a sense, with different teams and having to battle and always work their way through, it seems like those are the guys who usually are the most inclined to like be the ones who come out on top when it's all on the line and, and when everything is is said is said and done. In my opinion, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So one one other thing that was pretty cool, I know, was the fact that we, that 96 Rebel team, the 96 GTHL loop, had some extremely talented players, one of them being Connor McDavid, as well as obviously with guys like Michael Dalcole and, and Josh Hosang, who were also first-round picks in the NHL draft that year. But what was it, what was it like coaching against in my opinion, the best player in the world and in Connor McDavid and, and how, like looking back on that, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on that year and, and that situation as, as a whole? It was, uh, it was pretty amazing to see. Um, and what a lot of people don't, you know, and, and you know, and people that are in the 96 age group would obviously know um, Connor, you know, played up his entire life and Connor was always a very, very good player. And in the Bantam year, um, I wouldn't say Connor was undersized, but he wasn't, he wasn't very big. And I don't think it ever crossed anyone's mind about him being exceptional status, him being, um, you know, the next generational player. Um, and then in that minor midget year, he grew and he got a lot stronger and it was like, wow, what just happened? Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. It, you know, you're talking, like you said, you're talking about a very strong age group. 96 age group was very strong, had a lot of talent, a lot of high-end talent. Um, and it was amazing to watch a, a kid that was a year younger, not just be the best player in the age group. In my opinion, he, he dominated. He dominated a very strong age group. And, you know, there was instances where, 
you know, our guys, our defensemen would get beat by Connor and like, they're coming back to the bench. And like, I remember looking at Craig, like, what are you going to say? Yeah. Like the, the kid is, <laughs> right? yeah. you can't get mad at the guys. Like you're talking about a, you know, a generational player. And it was, it was, it was fun to watch. It was fun to see him grow. And, you know, I got to know him a little bit as, as a kid. Um, and he's just, he's, you know, I'm sure you know him a little bit better, but just a phenomenal kid too. Right. He's just a very, very good, humble kid and continue to work hard. And it was, it was, it was pretty cool to see. It was, it was hard to coach against, no question, um, you know, to try to shut him down. But it was, it was fun to watch for sure. Yeah, my, my favorite part about that was definitely beating them in the OHL Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> but it, um, it, was, it was pretty cool. Like, as you said, he, it almost came out of nowhere to me especially. Like, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but going into the minor midget year, I had a I had a neck and potentially concussion. It probably was a concussion looking back. And so I didn't play in that first tournament of the season. And I remember yep. to watch a game that the Marlies played. And I was completely blown away because, as you said, he was always a really good player. But I would have listed at least probably 10 guys in the league in Bantam that I thought would have been better players than him and a lot of it had to do with the fact that he as you said he hadn't grown yet he hadn't had that strength and and I thought Josh Hosang and Bantam was superior to him and then literally from the first game in minor midget it was like he was in a completely different league and and I think he actually got better throughout the year as well and, and further separated that that gap yeah I agree 100 percent like he you remember Sam Bennett was on that team too and I thought Sam was you know in, in Bantam was you know a better player than Connor um, and then, like I said, he just, he just took off and it was, you know, it was amazing to watch, uh, you know, a, a kid becoming, become a phenom because he literally was, you know, everything was about, um, Connor and everyone, the talk was about Connor and, and rightfully so because a that is a once in a generation player. And he, and he came along, you know, in our age group and it was, it was amazing to watch. Yeah. One, one thing touching on just who, um, as you said, he seems like a really nice kid, like. It was funny because I got to play with him on Team Orr in the 2015 like CHL top prospects game and got to sit beside him and, and have dinner. And, and as you said, like he is a truly nice and, and down to earth, down to earth guy, genuine person. Like he, he hasn't let any of that fame and, and stardom get to his head as, as far as I know, which is which is really good to see in that aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I know, just chatting about Connor, I know we touched on with, Robbie Fabry earlier in uh, in the episode but like who are some of the best players that you have ever coached and and what did you find really separated them from from the rest of the pack um again like we talk about uh you know how fortunate I've been with some of the the minor hockey teams that I've coached right uh the 96s and then the 2000s obviously were a a very good bunch as well too you know I've, I've had the pleasure of coaching a lot of good players um over the years um and you know being part watching some of these kids grow up but you know kids like you know that stick out for me obviously Robbie uh you know Robbie on our on our 96 team Robbie and and, and Matty Alvaro um two players that really stick out um the reason they stick out is just they're they're what I call everydayers um there's not a day that they took off they never take a day off um they come to the rink every day and I mean, our practices, as you know, were very, very intense. And, you know, Robbie and Maddie, a lot of the times made our practices go because they didn't know how to turn it off. Yeah. It was whatever they were doing, they were going 
you know, a hundred miles an hour. It, it didn't stop. They were so competitive. They had that amazing competitiveness in them. Um, you know, those are two, no question of the, the, the best, you know, players I've ever coached. I'm not saying it cause I'm talking to you, but you know, you were obviously the best goalie I've ever coached. Um, you had that same work ethic um, as a goalie. And now, you know, my standard for goalies is, is now very high because of what you did every day. You know, you wouldn't leave the net. You hated being scored on, um, you know, that, and that to me, I, I value that type of work ethic and competitiveness. And, and, and those are the things that, you know, really make special players, you know, that come every day, do it every single day and work hard. And, you know, another kid on my 2000 team, uh, Riley Demiani is playing for Kitchener right now. Same thing. Every day he brought it good leader. Um, you know, he made our practices go with how hard he worked. Um, those are the players that kind of stick out just, you know, players that, you know, like I said, do it every single day. They, they, they love to work. They don't know how to turn it off. They have good skill, you know, skill, Skill to me is always an afterthought. I mean, it's nice to have good skill, but, you know, how many players have you seen or played with that have tremendous skill that don't necessarily work that hard, right? So um, those are the players that kind of stand out for me. And, I, you know, I've had a, I could probably sit here and talk all day to, about great players that I've coached because, you know, there's a lot, been a lot of them. But those are some of the ones that really stick out. Yeah, well, thank you for the kind words. I, I appreciate it. One, one thing looking back, I remembered it was funny, was that when I did make it to the OHL, and have practice I was expecting it to be like a big step up from what I was accustomed to and in minor and, and especially taking that when I had to play in junior B to, to make my way back up recovering from my injuries I was like astonished because our practices were honestly better and higher tempo than what I ever had after that and it goes to show like that's a reflection on, on you guys the coaching staff as well just but the team atmosphere and the team the team mindset like we had such a competitive team like the fact that we did work that hard and the guys had such a strong desire and and I think it was collective too like when you have guys like like Maddie and Robbie competing on every single drill every single time like that sets that sets the tone when your best players are the guys who are working the hardest then and I think that is one of the things that really helped me through through my career as well just being like everybody has that environment I know you mentioned you mentioned me and, and that's how I am but if there's 16 guys who aren't working hard and you're one guy who's working hard it's easy to um, it's easy to come back to the mean but if it's the opposite you're going to get dragged up and I think that it really helped a lot of players and team to elevate themselves and ultimately help them with with moving on in, in the future into their OHL and, and NCAA careers. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, we, we created that environment that it was, again, it wasn't about, we, we didn't do any magical drills or do anything, reinvent the wheel or do anything crazy. But again, we, we made an environment that you guys all pushed each other and you're talking about a lot of good players with a lot of talent. And when you put all those good players together, a lot of talent, and you put them in that environment where they're going to push each other every day, it's inevitable. You're, you're going to get better as a hockey player. And I think that's why we saw the results we did with a lot of the players moving on and succeeding because they were in that environment. And, you know, again, where our practices, I don't want to say over the top, but were they really hard? Absolutely. And that's probably why you found maybe going to the, you know, the junior B level or, you know, the, even the OHL level, you know, not as hard. But it was, it was all about, again, we go back to that talk about development, right? It was all about developing. It was about putting you guys in a situation, you know, where you guys can succeed and continue to grow and get better as a player and, and not worry about, you know, wins and losses. And, yeah, we did system stuff. There's no question. But a lot of the stuff we did was, you know, 
to make you guys better as hockey players. Yeah, it, exactly. And again, looking back, like, as you said, it wasn't as much about X's and O's as it was about the big picture. And I think you guys always hammered that down and, and had that, had that um, just outlook, right? Like, and that's why I think, again, looking back further, when I first joined the Rebels going into minor bantam, I didn't, like, on paper, especially, like, our team compared to the Marlies that year was definitely, at least judging from my memory, I thought we were inferior for sure, at least on paper. But it seemed like, and I remember you guys saying that you wanted to, you had such a big emphasis on the players that you brought in, having a good attitude, being hardworking guys, being positive guys. And it was amazing how much every single player on the team really grew in that, in that three-year period. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, character, character is a huge thing even today that I still look for. That's probably one of the biggest things, you know, is your, what type of player you are. And, you know, I've probably made mistakes as far as, you know, um, bringing in certain players. I don't think it was the 96s. That was an issue, but other teams, there were certain players where maybe they weren't the right character and you'd be amazed. One, one kid that doesn't have the right character with what you're trying to do can, can ruin it for, for everybody. Right. So that, that's such an important thing. And that's why I think, again, why we succeeded and we did so well is because the character was so high in that, in that room. Yeah. 100%. So going back to, um, to the minor hockey, um, general minor hockey players and parents, is there one, excuse me, what are, what would be the biggest mistakes that, that you commonly see? I know obviously coaching junior A now, but through your minor hockey coaching career and even parents who are players who are trying to make that jump into, into junior, is there something that you see that's quite common that you like to address or just a big one that, that you like to chat about? Um, the biggest thing that I see is, is that everybody's in a rush. Um, in today's generation, you know, you, you know, we've talked, I've talked about this with my, my current coaching staff, you know, uh, today's generation, everybody, you know, wants everything right away. Um, they need to be, you know, keeping up with the Joneses type of thing. They need to do more. They want everything right away. They, they don't want to wait. Um, you know, you're in that generation that you, you have that, right. Everything is instant, right. Or, you know, you have your Instagrams, your Twitters, and everything is, is, you know, right away and you get your information and you get whatever you want right away. You can order everything nowadays. And you're in that generation where, you know, patience is no longer a virtue. It, yeah. It's, you know, give it, give it to me right away. Um, and I think everybody has that. It's not everybody, but a lot of people have that mindset when it comes to hockey as well, too, is that, you know, they don't want to wait. You know, I want to go here. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, look, look, guys, just relax. Take a step back. Every, you know, don't be in such a rush. You know, there's no rush especially when you know you've got you're dealing with you know that 15 16 year old uh kid that has to go to the ohl you know there's no rush on anything and you know i think parents forget that a lot of the times and they're they're in a hurry and they'll see one person doing something and it's well if that person's doing it i gotta do it right and and i think that's the biggest mistake it's like everybody's path is different no two players are exactly the same you know your path might be different than somebody else's path so just, you know, my, my, my advice is just relax, yeah. relax, worry about the things you can control and still the, the values, the core values that are important. And, you know, to you as a person and you as a family and apply them to hockey, right? Don't, uh, don't be in such a rush. Uh, Cause I think that's everybody's, in my opinion, everybody's mistake that, uh, you know, they're making is that, you know, well, I need, I need it right away. Right. So that would be the, the best piece of advice I could give to people is just, just relax and, you know, just, play it remember it's a game that's supposed to be fun and control the things that you can control yeah that's that's phenomenal advice i know for me too like i 
I, my family and I, we, we had that same mistake. And, and just looking, looking back on everything, you realize like nobody's playing in the NHL when you're 15 or 16. And every decision that you should make is with giving yourself the best opportunity to create the best life for yourself with school, with hockey, with your personal life. And a lot of times I see people making decisions based on the NHL, NHL draft when there's no chance that they're son may get drafted and they're trying to like do this and go here and sign here and end up playing one game in the OHL and, and giving up their eligibility. Like it's those mistakes that are due to lack of patience. And I think it's something that really should be emphasized more to players in their minor midget year or players who have just finished and gotten drafted is to sit back, take a deep breath, look at things with a more big picture view, more pragmatically in, in a way. And, and, and then make your decision and move forward and, and be willing to put in all the work that it takes to get where you want to be instead of just trying to get something that's quick and easy. Cause it doesn't work that way as, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you can look back at the, you know, if you take the 96 age group, obviously, cause you, you grew up in it. Um, and you look at all the players that, you know, have gone through and some were drafted, some weren't drafted, you know, some were drafted high, you know, um, some, you know, kids you, you never really even knew of in minor hockey that have gone on. It, it's everybody's path is different. You know, there's no right or wrong way. There's no rush, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing, you know, because people a lot of the time, and I think this again stems from the parents, you know, I see kids, you know, in my current situation at my job that it, it's such an emphasis on the, on the OHL draft and, you know, what number are they picked where, you know, you know, what round are they picked? And it's like, guys, you know, you try to, as much as you try to, tell them it, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's such a big emphasis yeah. on it. And, you know, kids, are, you know, their goals, they're setting their goals. Well, I want to be a first round OHL pick. And, you know, you were a first round OHL pick and you, you know, you know, and, and I remember talking about that discussion with Borney too, uh, Damian Borne. And this was like, he goes, I look back, he goes, he goes, honestly, he goes, that, he goes, I wish I would have known what I know now. He goes, the first round thing didn't mean anything. He goes, what it meant was, you know, uh, where I went, would I go to the right situation for me yeah. as a player? So, you know, those are the things that matter, but people still, there's too many people out there, unfortunately, that put the emphasis on that. And there's too many people feeding that type of um, people's egos with that type of stuff that just, in my opinion, doesn't help. Yeah, it, it's so true. Like I was, obviously, as you mentioned, being a first round pick as well, you can see that you really don't get any special treatment it really isn't a step up above anybody else like you may be more inclined to get a second opportunity but that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it like people look and think if you make it in the as a first round pick in the OHL, like you've made it and that's it and I kind of had that perspective it's like oh I was a first round pick here oh I you know should get slotted in to be drafted the NHL in this spot and I think that thought goes through so many kids and parents heads and it just really doesn't it really doesn't work like that like you have no idea what's going to happen afterwards and and I mean that just goes to show like even our 96 group how strong of an age group it was all the way through Ontario if you look back on all the first round picks who ended up who are still like potentially didn't even like played one or two years in the league and that was it or never played never moved on to play professionally and are playing at school or completely retired now like like I am the numbers will will surprise you outside of that top like five picks it's really outside of those five guys that are the kind Fabry and Josh Hosangs it's it's really as it's really a crapshoot and 
and once you get into the later rounds too, like you don't know what's going to happen, what's going to dictate who makes it is the people who, who do the best and they're going to get found. And, and ultimately, whatever number you are really doesn't matter in the big picture. No, absolutely. And, and again, you can attest to this and, you know, I can as well. A lot of hockey, what people don't understand is you could be one of the best players all the way up. But, you know, if you get stuck in the wrong situation or wrong place at the wrong time, you know, it's all about, you know, right place, right time. You know, a perfect example I'll give you is, is a guy uh, that, again, your age group that I don't even think was drafted was Andrew uh, Manjapani. Yeah. And he was always a good player through that 96 age group. You know, he always, you know, was a really, really good player. And, and he just ended up getting the right place, right time. He was Barry, took a liking to him, went to Barry, did really well in Barry. And next thing you know, he's being drafted in NHL. And, you know, this year he's playing NHL games and with Calgary, right? So, a lot of that is is timing, you know, right place, right time, someone taking a liking to you, um, you know, all those types of things. You know, y- you look at your career as well, too. You know, if say by chance, you know, someone takes a liking to you, you get drafted. You're not we're not doing this talk today. You're somewhere else because, you know, someone <laughs> took a liking to you and, and, you, and you're and you're playing somewhere else. Right. So it, it, people don't realize, you know, there's a lot of good players that never make it. it it's it's just the way it is. It's it's uh it's a crapshoot, like you say, and, and that's why it's you go back to one of the first things we talked about. It's important that you, you have something else, that that education is there, because, you know, through my entire career playing and coaching, I've seen a lot of tremendous players uh, not make it to the NHL and a lot of players, you know, that weren't the best players that did make it to the NHL. So you got to put things into perspective. You've got to be, you know with yourself and, and realize that I can't put all my eggs in this one basket. Yeah. And, and touching on another subject too, like I think that when you do put all your eggs in the hockey basket, you're less likely to make it because it just, it wears on you so much when you know in the back of your mind that every single time you step on the ice, that this is what you have to do in order to live the life that you really want to, it can become really tough to play. Like if you interviewed, if you interviewed guys like Kreger who played at Yale, who had a phenomenal hockey career, but also obviously an unbelievable education, how nervous he is about how his hockey career unfolds versus the player who doesn't get an education, whether it's he plays in the OHL or plays um, whatever it may be and has no interest in going to school and knows that every single game he plays is either going to make him less or more likely to potentially sign that contract that he needs to sign to live the life he wants, it wears it wears in your head. And I think that just having that second option honestly does help guys and will help you throughout your career. Oh, I can't agree with you more. You know, and that's what I tell every kid, don't close any door, right? And if you're not doing the work you need to do in school, you're closing doors. You're just closing doors. And why, why would you ever do that, right? You know, keep your – a lot of kids, you know, They'll, they'll say, well, you know, I, I, I'm not good in school. Well, if you take that effort that you put into hockey and you bring it to school, I guarantee you you're good in school, um, you know, because you have the mental fortitude, you have the, you know, uh, know with all to, to put that work in that you do in hockey, put it into school as well, too. There's no reason why you can't have the balance, you know, have balance. That's important. I'm, I'm like the 100% picture-perfect example of that. I know in my, like, in my minor energy year, with hockey being the first year that it was such a big emphasis, like my marks slipped and I went from being an 80 student to a 70 student. 
And then again, through your OHL career, like I re- this is the thing that I probably regret the most is not taking as much of an interest in my education as I should have, because as, as I realized after, I think it did negatively affect my hockey career too. But since I, since I have retired, like the marks that I've had in university are literally like 15% better than I had in high school. Like I'm at, I've been at the top of my class and everything because I have applied those same skills that we touched on earlier with organization and hard work and commitment, all those kind of things that does come with being a hockey player. It correlates directly to school and directly to everything after school as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's amazing to hear Liam. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Is there, Jeff, is there any final piece of advice that you'd like to leave everybody listening with? Um, yeah, I mean, I, like I touched on there, it's just, you know, have, uh, have patience. Don't be in a rush with anything that you're going to do. And, and, and remember, you're playing a game. At the end of the day, it's a game. Uh, don't, don't forget that. Don't lose sight of it. You know, I know it, you're going to get to a point in your career where it will become a business and it will become hard. Um, but don't lose sight on that. You know, it's, it's just a game. You know, we're, we're all playing a game that we started playing because we loved it. And don't let any of that other outside distractions affect that. And the, the last thing, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that I struggle with and, you know, uh, I'm starting to realize and getting better at it as a coach. And I think players would be the same thing is balance, find balance in your life. Um, whatever that is, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm entrenched in coaching. I love coaching. But, you know, there's times where I, I, I'm not, I don't have balance, you know, and, and that's important. Find other things that you're interested in. You know, I love the fact what you're doing now with all your, you know, trying to help people reach out, doing the podcast, doing the YouTube videos. That's amazing, you know, and it's good to find balance in, in, in life and just don't put all, like I said, the eggs in one basket in that hockey basket. Okay, well, thank you so much, Jeff. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, anytime. I'd love to do it again. Let me know if uh, if you ever want me on here again. I, I love this type of stuff, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. All right, Will. Well, thank you very much. We'll, we'll be in touch. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. At The Liam Herb Show on Facebook is the best place to reach me. Feel free to also send me a note on Instagram or Twitter. And if you'd like to get in touch with Jeff, the best place to reach him is at Coach Schmogs on Twitter or at Schmogi27 on Instagram. I'll attach all the links and um, names below. Thank you so much for listening. If you did enjoy the episode and are on iTunes, if you'd leave a, a, a review, that would be extremely appreciated by me. Thank you guys, and I'll see you next time.